We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are coming off their bye week. They are fresh off a loss to the Oakland Raiders in London. But we are back with another podcast here ahead of the Saints matchup on Sunday. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, uh, it's been a little bit since we've talked, uh, a little bit over a week here. Uh, how you doing after that loss against the Raiders in London? Well, I... I, I'm, I'm sure the Bears feel the same way, but I was glad there was bye week, man. It's been it's just been a weird start to the season. I think it was just kind of, especially after that Raiders loss. Uh, unfortunately, I live in California, um, and while I don't live in Northern California, I still live in an area where there's a ton of Raiders fans. And I found out at work after the Bears lost that uh, there's quite a bit of Raiders fans that I work with. So that was irritating. <laughs> so long story short, I think, uh, just in terms of um, gathering thoughts and just kind of enjoying a week without much football, at least for me, uh, was was definitely kind of nice. Because like I said, it's been a, it's been a weird start to the season, and, and in some ways, it hasn't been nearly as fun as last year, at least for me. Yeah, I, I was pretty confident going into that Raiders game when we did that podcast. I just even with Chase Daniel starting, I thought the Bears were the better team, but I mean, Oakland had the better game plan. Obviously, it was a Steady dose of Josh Jacobs and, and Derek Carr kind of getting the ball out quick. It was just – it was kind of just a not an uninspiring performance by the Bears, maybe in the first half, but it just – they felt like they were flat the whole time. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of a much-needed bye week for not only us, but I think the Bears are definitely, you know, using it to kind of reset everything, hoping to get the offense on track. Um, 
get some people healthy and then get the defense going on track too. And then now you're going to have to set up your three and two. Uh, the NFC looks like it's going to be a gauntlet the rest of the way. Um, but I will say this though. I do think some of the games that we thought um, maybe going into the season, were going to be tough down the stretch. You know, the, the chiefs, the Cowboys, the saints, the chargers, um, those four games, I think they might be a little more winnable than uh, we thought back then compared to now. Well, you can add the Rams into that conversation too. The Rams yes, that too. Three, three right now and have not really looked good this season. And it's funny because I tweeted that out about Jared Goff a few weeks ago and how he's an overrated quarterback and you know how he's not nearly as good as people say he is. And it's like, look at him over the last few weeks. I, I, I think the book is finally out on the Rams' offense and and they just don't really have that good of a team. So yeah, no, I agree. I I, I definitely think. Uh, I think the Saints game is still going to be tough, but at the same time, it's definitely, and obviously we'll get in that preview, but it's not as tough as it would be with Drew Brees. Um, and then the Chargers have been terrible, and I mean terrible. Like, when you go out and you lose a game to a Steelers team that's playing their third quarterback of the year from a guy that wasn't even on the active roster, you know, a week before the game, uh, that's bad. And then, like you pointed out, I mean, there's just there's other games that – uh, maybe don't look as tough anymore. You know, Dallas is one of them, like you pointed out. I mean, there's there's a lot of different games. Um, and again, I think that sometimes that's why when you look at strength of schedule, uh, it, it's best not to it's best not to jump the gun. I mean, and this is let, let's just point put this out there at least for me. Uh, this three and two feels different last year than last year's three and two. Um, you know, obviously the Bears ended up three and three, then they went and. They ended up finishing 12 and four. They lost basically one game after that for the remainder of the season. The difference is uh, last year they had a pretty easy schedule for the most part. They had a few tough games, but you know the division wasn't the same as it is this year. Uh, their opponents definitely weren't as tough. So I I don't know. And again, we'll get into this preview a little bit more. I don't think the Bears can afford to fall three three. I, I just don't. I, I don't think when you're looking, the Packers are five and one. I don't know how in the hell. They got gifted that game on Monday night. That was egregious. I don't even really know how else to put it. Like the, the Lions had that game in hand. Those two terrible penalty calls um, were were killer. I think the Lions are a better team than uh, maybe a lot of people are giving them credit for. And sure, you know the what, what the record is, but um, it, it's just one of those things where you look at the division and and it's a tough division. I think they're better than the the Vikings. I think they're better than the uh, the Lions. But the Packers are five and one, and realistically. Uh, their, their schedule, at least to me, isn't isn't quite as tough as the Bears. So the Bears got some work to do. I mean, they're a game and a half out right now. I mean, really, they're kind of two games out because they've they've already lost to the Packers. And the problem is, is I was at Soldier Field, so you got to kind of have to figure things out. But again, things aren't going to line up the way that they did last year for the Bears. Uh, the wild card's still wide open, like you said. The NFC as a whole is wide open, but. This is a big game for the Bears. These these next few games are big, and luckily they're a lot more winnable than they look like before even the Eagles game. I mean, that was one of the games I had scheduled uh, or circled on the schedule as a loss for the Bears. Uh, granted, it is in Philadelphia, but the Philadelphia Eagles are not a good team right now, and they have a lot of holes on defense, and they're just, again, they're not a good team. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Bears handle themselves over these next few weeks because if they can get out, uh, you know, out of this game with New Orleans, you know, with a win, I mean, they got the Chargers and the Chargers are not good. I mean, they have a chance to be able to kind of get this back on track. And this is where we're going to see what kind of football team they are because, you know, we haven't got to this and I'm sure we will in a minute. I mean, they've, they've got some injuries. This, this, this is a team that, that the same injury luck from last year isn't really panning out so far. And this is something that they're going to have to overcome. 
Yeah, it definitely feels a lot different going on this bye week. Last season, you know, I felt a lot more confident with where the Bears were at. Um, you know, they did rally off some big wins down the stretch, won the division. But this year, I mean, you said the NFC North is much improved. The Packers look like they do have an easier schedule. I will say the one thing is that I think they've played four out of six at home or something close to that number. They're at home again um, this week against the Raiders. But, yeah, they look like a much improved team, and as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy and that defense even just plays better and how they have been playing, um, you know, they're a team definitely to look out for. As far as the NFC, I think the wild card is pretty open, and, and you know, we've talked about it before. This is where you have to stack those wins. This is where, you know, you're, you're playing a Saints team that's – they're fighting with the Panthers in the NFC South. Um, obviously, the Saints are ahead right now in the division, but, it, if you know, if New Orleans gets on a losing streak – these are the type of games you want to win to ensure you have the NFC tiebreakers. Um, you have all that stuff in case you can't win the division and you do go into the wild card and, and those tiebreakers have to come down. But yeah, it's just three and two. It just feels like there's not a lot of confidence with this team. Maybe there's not a lot of swagger right now, but you know, this is the NFL. A lot of things can change. If the bears do rally off three, four straight, I'd feel a lot better um, about their chances and like you said, we do have some injury news. Before we get into that, though, we're going to hit our first break. We're going to hit our first ad read. Um, then we'll get into the injury news because there has been six weeks of the regular season now in the books. And with so much left to be decided, you need to go to my bookie. Wherever the action you may take, make sure my bookie is the place. Who will win the NFC North? My bookie has that covered. Plus, in-game wagering during the games and player props like receiving yards for Tariq Cohen or how many sacks for uh, Khalil Mack. The Bears look to bounce back at home versus the New Orleans Saints where they open as three-point favorites. You can go to my bookie, Sportsbrook, NFL to see that line. And that just scratches the surface. We have teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users will get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. Aaron, let's get down to these injuries because there was uh, three big ones. Well, actually four um, big injuries now. On Monday, the Bears officially put offensive lineman Kyle Long on IR, effectively ending his season. Um, and then literally a couple hours later on Tuesday, a day later, uh, the news that Akeem Hicks was going on R, R kind of broke. And that one's a little different, though, because the Bears do expect him back. There was a report from Adam Sheffield that said he doesn't – don't think he needs surgery. And then on Wednesday, Matt Nagy thinks that he said he'll think he thinks Hicks should be back. He won't need surgery. Um, the other injury is Trubisky. He practiced in full today on Wednesday. Looks like he's going to give it a go. He's going to wear the harness. And then the final injury, Blau Nichols practiced in full with a hand injury. Aaron, that's a lot right there. That's four injuries. Uh, I'll let you talk about pick which one you want to talk about first and kind of give your thoughts on that. Well, I think I, I think we'd be doing ourselves uh, and Bears fans and really Kyle Long a disservice if he wasn't the first one that we talked about. Uh, 
this is tough because, you know, football is a game that we all know things change in the matter of minutes, you know, and especially when you're talking about in the, in the matter of careers. I mean, you're talking about one player can be relevant or one consider one of the best players in the league one year and the next or not. And Kyle Long was the face of the franchise for the Bears for a while. And granted, those were some bad times that he was the face of the franchise of. Uh, but he was. And he's he's been a big part of this Bears team. He's been through three different regimes. And it's it's sad. I mean, that's really all there is to it. It's just it, it, it's a sad situation that somebody who the Bears spent a, a first round pick on a lot of people, including myself, were beside ourselves uh, watching that pick happen and wondering why would they take this guy that's played, you know, on an offensive line in Oregon for one year and he comes in and and he, I mean, he was just excellent right off the bat. And he was, he was a great player for the Bears for a few years until the injuries happened. But he's been a great ambassador, ambassador for the team. Um, again, he's been one of the faces of the franchise. But unfortunately, uh, and this is kind of something we talked about uh, over the last few games, is he's just cooked. I mean, he's just, he's not the same player. Clearly, uh, from a physical standpoint, he just simply doesn't have the ability that he used to have. And, it's to the point where you can watch him on film, you can watch him the plays, and people are putting him down with basically one hand, and he just doesn't look like the same player. And it's sad because, unfortunately, you know, and that Nagy's not going to say this, but unfortunately for the, you know, for the for the Bears, I mean, not having him on the field and putting him on IR when ultimately I don't think any of these injuries were overly serious. The ones that you know, the shoulder and the in the leg or whatever it was, knee, I can't even remember. Or sorry, it was hip, uh, is what it was. I don't think any of these are overly serious. I think it's just a simple fact that his body's breaking down and they need him to essentially not be on the roster, not count towards the roster. So they're able to bring up Alex Barr. So again, it's one of those where it's very sad to see it's an end of an era. Um, I think ultimately he's going to end up retiring at the end of the year. I think this will be it uh, for him, not only in a bears uniform, but on the football field period. Uh, but I also think that, uh, you know, as sad as this is to say, I think the Bears are better off for him going on IR and to give a guy like Rashad Coward or Alex Mars a chance to start at right guard. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of said it there. You could just tell watching Kyle Long this year compared to years past, he just wasn't that nasty guard. And that's nothing against him. It's just those injuries were kind of hampering him and definitely affecting his play. We talked to Charles Leno on Monday and he was talking about how he used to watch Kyle Long just pick up 315-pound men and block them, which is not easy to do. I mean, it's not even easier for easy for football players to do. And when Kyle Long was in his prime, he was one of the best right guards in all of football. And, you know, kind of like you said, a lot of people were kind of confused and unhappy about the pick. But, I mean, it actually turned out to be probably the best draft pick, one of the draft best draft picks in the Phil Emery era. Uh, for the Bears because it, it worked out well for those first couple of years. I think he started in 47 of his first 48 games, suffered some injuries, and and it kind of all went downhill when he suffered the injuries and moved to right tackle. But even the move to right tackle, it was while it wasn't well timed. I don't agree with the timing of it because it did happen literally a week before week one. That was kind of just who Kyle was, where he was going to take one for the team. You know, they needed someone at right tackle. He was going to slot out there. Um, and he wasn't selfish. He wasn't just looking out for himself. He was looking out for the team. And kind of you get that bear for life type phrase that's been thrown around out there by Kyle and other, other of his teammates. So I'm with you. I think he'll he'll probably retire. Um, 
you know, I, I think his career with the Bears for sure is over with because does have a big cap hit and the the way that Chicago and, and Ryan Pace has got to build the roster moving forward, it says it is to say you just can't you can't count on Kyle Long right now because it's four straight years where he's gone to IR and it's just not all of his fault. It's just it's just kind of bad luck. Um, but moving forward now, you have three guys and it's going to depend on the veteran Ted Larson if he's going to be ready to go. If Larson's healthy, I think he's going to get the first shot at being the right guard. Um, if not, I think it'll be Rashad Card and then kind of work Alex Bars in. But before this is all said and done at the end of the year, I just kind of have a feeling we're going to see all three of them uh, with significant playing time. The one thing I do you know, like about each one, I think Larson is a veteran. He's more experienced. He's kind of got that technique towards him. Alex Bars is a younger rookie. He's worked with Harry Houston. He's more of a technical guy. Um, when you look at a guy like Rashad Coward, even the limited snaps he was in against the Vikings – He's more of that physical guy right from the jump. He's going to drive you back. He's just kind of that, you know, that beast of a physical man to, you know, that nasty, I like to say, offensive lineman that's going to help you in the run game for sure because he's kind of got the instincts. He was a defensive lineman. Let's not forget he came to the Bears as a defensive lineman, pretty good defensive lineman at Old Dominion in college. So now we'll see how that nastiness kind of translates over to the offensive line because you and I both know that offensive line desperately needs a boost. I agree, and I, I just think it's – I I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I think the Bears would be doing themselves a disservice to even attempt to start Ted Larson. I think you roll with Rashad Coward. You see what Alex Bars looks like at practice, what he does at practice, um, and go from there. Uh, Larson's a guy that's solid depth to have, but I think you got to be kind of looking long-term here because, like you pointed out, Kyle Long's got a huge cap hit next year. He's not going to be back regardless. And with that being said, one of the main reasons he's not going to be back outside of the injuries is the fact that the Bears simply can't afford it. And you have to have a cheap guard. And what better way to have a cheap guard than have your undrafted free agent, Rashad Coward, who will be a restricted free agent next year, and or Alex Bars, who is also an undrafted free agent but still has two more years of control after this year before he becomes a restricted free agent. And I think that's why you would be doing yourself a disservice if you're the Bears I'm not at least giving those guys a look again. We know what Ted Larson is. If he needs to come in, he needs to come in. But I thought Rashad Coward looked good against the Vikings. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be positive for the, the offensive line. I mean, simply put, they needed to make some changes. And I think this is the, 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 the start of that. I know a lot of people are calling for Charles Leno to be benched. Not going to happen. They're paying the guy good money. He was a Pro Bowl left tackle last year. He's had a terrible start to the season. Do not get me wrong on that. But you're not going to bail on a player who's been – consistently getting better for you the last few years and again was a pro bowler last year uh over a few bad games i mean you just kind of have to figure it out and hopefully getting that steady piece um at right guard will will help but i don't know again it's an end of an era and it's it's a sad situation but i think in terms of what's best for the bears at this point i think it's absolutely uh the best move for them to not have kyle long out on the field anymore and i mean obviously in the future you'd love to have Alex Bars be your future guard, and Rashad Card maybe be your backup or vice versa. Um, but yeah, like you said, Kyle Long won't be back just because the Bears have so much have other needs. I mean, they desperately need a tight end. They're gonna have to go out and sign a tight end. They're probably gonna need some depth at um, defensive back, and taking that cap hit would just be too much for them. On the other side of the line, on the defensive line, Keem Hicks elbow injury he suffered against the Raiders sidelines him on IR he can return to practice in six weeks he can return to game action in week 15 against the Packers 
It's bad news, but the bright side of it is the Bears don't expect him to be out for the season, which is huge. The other thing to it now is Bilal Nichols has been dealing with a hand injury. He's back at practice. All signs kind of point to him playing on Sunday, but I think they're going to need more than Nichols to step up on that interior offensive line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about having to put more reliance on both Roy Robertson Harris and Nick Williams. And I mean, just to give you an idea, uh, the game against Raiders that was the first time that Nick Williams hadn't had a hadn't had a sack since week one. I mean, Nick Williams has been damn good all year. Roy Robertson Harris has also been very good. So this is why you have good depth at these kind of positions, and this is where you're going to have to lean on that. And and I think Chuck Pagano can kind of get a, a you know get away a little bit from that just in the fact that he's probably going to be playing. I would assume a little bit more nickel than normal, so you're not going to have to be relying on three of those guys to be out on the field at the same time. Uh, and also worth mentioning, Aaron Lynch has also been playing on the interior a little bit too. I mean, the dude looks like he's close to 300 pounds right now, so that shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody. But I mean, it's obviously it's a big loss. I mean, Akeem Hicks hasn't been the same player this year as a whole, but he's still a damn good player. I think we saw that against uh, against the Raiders when they were getting gashed just right down the middle uh, against a rookie running back, which ironically. Last year, their worst rushing performance on defense came against another rookie running back in the way of Saquon Barkley. I mean, Barkley's clearly a better player, but Josh Jacobs looked pretty damn good. And uh, so, like you pointed out, I mean, they're going to have to step up. Luckily, I think this is something – this is at a position where they're much better equipped to handle it than, let's say, uh, I don't know, let's just say corner, um, you know, or, uh, you know, a position like that where – Or edge rusher, something like that. Exactly, edge rusher, stuff like that where – where that I think there's a higher liability there because they don't have as good of, uh, as depth. So now you're going to get to see Nick Williams more. You're going to get to see Roy Robertson Harris more. Um, you got Abdul Anderson there. Um, I'm praying to God that the other uh, undrafted free agent that they had on the practice squad, I can't remember the guy's name right now. Um, he wears a number in the 70s, which drives me insane for an offensive or defensive lineman anyway. Hopefully he does not see the field as much as he did against the Raiders because that was just ridiculous. Yeah, they, I mean, they struggled. The Raiders had a perfect game plan. Right when Akeem Hicks went out, they ran Josh Jacobs up the middle, and those Raiders offensive linemen, I mean, they got off the ball really well. They dominated. They kept Cleo Mack in check, um, and they, just had, they had a perfect game plan. So, yeah, the Bears defensive line, the interior is going to have to answer the call. You're going to look at guys, like you mentioned, and Eddie Goldman and Nick Williams, Bill Nichols. It's going to be a group effort because the Saints have a very good offensive line coming into town on Sunday. Um, the last injury we're going to touch on here, quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Looks like he'll return on Sunday to play. He's practicing in full. He's going to wear a harness. Um, and Trubisky says he feels close to 100%. Now, I, there are some concerns because it's, it's, it's not his throwing shoulder, which is a bright spot, but it is his left shoulder. And the concerns you have there is if there's a bad snap over your head, um, bad snap to the left, to the ground, you're going to have to move that shoulder a little more than you want to. Not only that, but if he takes off running, now more than ever, he's going to have to slide better. He's going to have to make better slides because it's kind of, you know, as good as Trubisky is as a runner, the kind of knock on him is he doesn't slide soon enough or he, or he tries to dive forward or he, he wants to take the hit. And it's, it's kind of cost him because against the Vikings last season, you saw he got hit on that Sunday night game and had, and was hurt, missed a couple games after that. So for Trubisky, I'm going to be curious to see, I think throwing the ball will be fine. Um, but when it comes to running and maybe getting out of the pocket, is he going to be a little hesitant? Uh, is he going to go down s- sooner than later? 
what's kind of going to happen when he when he rushes out of that pocket to make plays? Because, I mean, you're not going to take that out of his game. As much as you want to try, you're not going to tell a quarterback, hey, stop running, don't run. Um, you're going to let him do what he feels comfortable doing. It's just going to be up to him to kind of protect himself. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I do think the running aspect is being blown a little bit out of proportion. And really, there's only one reason for that, and that's the fact that he really hasn't run the ball that much this year. I I don't know what it is with the with this offense. Um, you know, there's clearly a multitude of issues that hopefully they got solved. Um, but at the same time, he really hasn't he hasn't run the ball hardly at all. And when he has, he hasn't really been that effective. So I think it's just one of those situations where I mean, there's going to be concern all year, and that's kind of the thing that I think Bears fans kind of have to keep in mind here is not only is there going to be a concern that him taking the hit on the shoulder, regardless of what they say. I mean, you, how are you going to test out? Because that was one of the things they talked about today. They said, well, we need to make sure that he can take a hit. It's like, well, how are you going to figure that out? Because you're clearly not going to allow your quarterback to get nailed by somebody in practice to figure out if his shoulders are right. I mean. It's just at a point where you said he's going to be wearing the brace. They're going to have to figure things out, and he's going to have to go from there. But this is going to be a concern for the rest of the year. And, again, with him having to wear this brace on his shoulder, I think it's also another, uh, you know, kind of another indication. And some of these reports have been a little misleading as to the fact that Trubisky's probably going to have to have surgery the offseason. It's much like Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller's shoulder popped in and out, popped in and out, popped in and out because of the partially torn labrum. Uh, the reality is he's probably going to have to get surgery on that on that shoulder, and obviously that's going to put him out probably pretty close to training camp. So, I mean, even even though he only missed two games, they went one and one in that span, whatever. I mean, this is this is going to have some repercussions. But unfortunately, again, my expectations for Trubisky have not changed one bit. It's put up a shut up time. He's got it. I don't care about the shoulder. You know, I, I think obviously it's going to be probably pain management for a week or two, uh, whatever. But I mean. It's put up a shut-up time. I mean, he's got to be the quarterback that they at least somewhat hoped he could be in the draft because at this point in time, I think you can 100% agree, and I think most Bears fans can agree at this point as, as well. Uh, it's pretty clear that, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is world better than Trubisky will ever be, and it's also very clear that Deshaun Watson is much better than Trubisky is probably ever going to be as well. So at this point in time, in order for the Bears, I mean, if the Bears win the Super Bowl and he plays average, if he plays, you know, about what he was last year and they win the Super Bowl, then obviously that's a win. Your entire goal is to win a Super Bowl. But my my bigger point out of this is we need to see something from him. Uh, those first three games, or I guess, what, two games of the season, um, they can't happen. I mean, it's just really as simple as that. They can't happen. Uh, I thought he was okay against Washington. He needs to be back to the level that he was last year. Those are my expectations. Um, he needs to he needs to take some steps forward, and I think that's just really where it's at. I, the, the shoulder is not going to be an excuse, and it shouldn't be an excuse. He's in year three, regardless of what people want to say with year one of John Fox. It's it's again, I, I'm going to continue to say this, uh, but it's put up or shut up time. Uh, you don't trade up and use a number two overall pick on a quarterback and have this kind of performance. Uh, it's just it's it's time. One way or another, the shoulder cannot be an excuse at this point. He needs to figure it out. Well, the thing also is, I mean, you're going to have to start turning things around now. You're going to have to start stacking wins, and it's going to be on Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, this defense can win you some games. There's going to be times where this defense is going to win you some games. There's also going to be a time, where, whether it's now or whether the Bears qualify for the playoffs, where Mitchell Trubisky is going to have to step up and play better than he has. I think that Washington game was a, was a stepping stone. I thought he played better than what he showed Obviously, the first couple of weeks of the season. However, you know, 
is this going to be a setback against the against the Vikings from the injury? Is this, is this going to be something we look at? And, okay, maybe Trubisky was turning the corner, and then he got hurt. I don't know. But eventually he's got to start making plays. If he's healthy and he's good to go, you're going to need your quarterback to lead you to some victories. And, and, and I'm not saying he's got to come out and throw 350 yards and four touchdowns every time. Don't lose the game. Don't make the stupid turnovers. Give your defense and your offense the chance to make plays. And, and you know, you, you have a Super Bowl defense. You don't want to waste it with a quarterback um, that can't win you games. And, and you you just said it. We talk about Mahomes and Watson. And, yeah, Trubisky's going to be compared to them his entire career. I think it's not realistic to expect he'll be on that level um, in his career that Mahomes and Watson are currently on. But I really don't think he needs to be. Yeah, it's going to be disappointing because he's a second overall pick. You trade up to get him. But, like, I mean, you say if if he's a top 15, top 20 quarterback, I think you're you're in good shape come playoff time just because of the defense you have. Obviously, you'd like him to be a top 10 quarterback, no doubt about it. But I mean, if, if he just hovers, like, top 15, if he's, like, around, like, a Matthew Stafford-type area hovering around the top 10, I think the Bears would be in, in really good shape. I, I agree. It's just getting getting that point at this. Uh, you know, it's just again. I mean, you just you have to see it. And it's not just from Trubisky. It's from this entire offense. I, I'm sorry, but you can't you can't come into this year with the amount of talent they have on this team, the amount of money that they've sunk in, the amount of resources in general that they've sunk into this unit, the offensive unit. I mean, that you just you can't have these kind of performances. Uh, you know, the running game, the offensive line, the play calling, the quarterback play, everything needs to be better. I think really the only player that I could sit there and look at and say he's been excellent on the offensive side of the ball has been Allen Robinson. Outside of that, I mean, there's room for improvement everywhere. Anthony Miller, um, David Montgomery, Trey Cohen, uh, Trey Burton. I mean, just name any player. I mean, really, just name any single player on the offense outside of Allen Robinson and they can all improve. And well, the- Name any position, essentially. Like yeah. you said, outside of Allen Robinson, I mean, I mean, behind Allen Robinson, the wide receivers have pretty much struggled too. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, and even again, even coaching, even coaching's been an issue. It's like Harry Heastan's supposed to be one of the best offensive line coaches, whether that's NFL or college. I mean, what, what, why, why have they had such a bad offensive line? You know, it's just there's so many questions that they need to get figured out. And and like Nagy said, I mean, maybe maybe this loss going into the bye week was a good thing for them because maybe they were able to really kind of be real with themselves and say, okay, this isn't last year. You know, it's kind of something we talked about before the podcast, right? Before we started recording this last year, uh, they went in the bye week at three and one, they came out, they lost two in a row at three and three. It kind of sucked, but there was still some optimism. The expectations weren't as high. This feels different this year. Three and two feels a lot different than three and two did last year. And I think a big reason behind that outside of the schedule is just the fact that there's supposed to be improvements that aren't happening. Uh, there's supposed to be development that isn't happening, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That's just something that they need to see. So I'm hoping, and I think so, because, I mean, at least what, what, what the way Matt Nagy was, uh, I mean, he definitely seemed like a guy that was frustrated, that wanted to get answers. So hopefully they spent this bye week figuring out exactly what they need to do differently, whether that's a different blocking scheme uh, with, the, with the run, maybe go a little bit more outside zone, maybe a little bit less power. I don't know. I, you know, with the, with that and then with the pass game, I mean, at some point in time, they're going to have to start throwing the ball down the field. Uh, maybe they stick with the, the no huddle or, you know, getting up uh, to the line from the huddle quickly and then kind of pulling the Jared Goff, Sean McVay thing. And, you know, if they keep doing that, they keep doing that. But there's got to be adjustments. I mean, it's just as simple as that. They have too much talent offensively. They have they've sunk way too many resources in the offense 
for them to continue to play at a John Fox level. And I think that's really one of the biggest things coming out of the bye. The defense is not going to be perfect. It wasn't perfect last year. They were the number one defense in the league last year, and they still had those games against the Patriots, against uh, Miami. I mean, there were, there were games where they simply failed. Uh, the same thing with the Giants. The problem is, is they got to be able to overcome those failures uh, on the defense side of the ball, and their offense has to do enough to be able to win. And I think that's really where this is going to come uh, the next few weeks is, you know, is this offense going to be able to make enough improvement to where this is really going to be not only a Super Bowl contender, but I mean, let's just dumb this down a little bit and say, or I shouldn't say dumb it down, but dial it back a little bit and say playoff contender. I mean, we're talking about a team that's three and two that's technically in third place right now. In, In a pretty stacked NFC North and pretty stacked NFC conference. I mean, and, and there's a long list of things you want to see adjustments made too. It's not just the quarterback play. And, and you touched on them. It's, it's offensive line play. It's getting the run game going. It's more playmakers stepping up on um, in the wide receiver position. And for the love of God, what a tight end, please play well. Just any of the tight ends, please show up and play well. Um, they roster. They, 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 do, uh, they don't. It's a terrible signing. Uh, Adam Shaheen was an even worse draft pick. Ben Broniker is what he is, but I mean, there's a reason that what a tenth of their roster basically is tight ends at this point. I mean, they just signed Dax Raymond in the practice squad, and they have Jesper Horstead yep. there as well, on top of JP Holtz or Schultz or. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> arguably their best tight end has been Ben Broniker on special teams. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they. they I mean, that's that's a position that they've got to figure something else out, and that's going to have to be in the off season uh, unless they make a trade. But no, I agree. I mean, they're. Ah, man, this is so frustrating. There's no reason that they should have – they put all these resources into these positions, especially when you talk tight end. I mean, they gave – dude, they gave uh, – you know, they gave Burton a ton of money because he was a scheme they, Well, it's money and draft picks too. Yeah, well, yeah, the same thing. Shaheen was a second-round draft pick. Granted, they traded down. I mean, that was a terrible pick to begin with, but they traded down and they, and they took him, and it's like he's been bad. I mean, yeah, there's just too much resources that had been placed into that position, namely um, that – they're just not producing. Yeah, not not good. Not good at all. Um, with that, Aaron, I think this is a good time to get into our interview um, and to get into the Saints preview. We had a special guest on. Um, we welcomed in Deuce Windham of The Athletic. He does a great job breaking down film. He covers the New Orleans Saints. Fantastic interview, giving you insight on what the Saints have been doing under Teddy Bridgewater these past couple weeks and whether or not um, Alvin Kamara will play. He also broke down um, what the Saints can do to win the game and what the Bears, what he expects from the Bears um, on Sunday. So it'll be a great listen for you guys. Uh, before we do that, it's time to remind you that you could save some money by using the code OVERTIME on the Vivid Seats app. If you're going to the Bears game this Sunday or next Sunday, make sure you use code OVERTIME. First-time customers only can save some money on those tickets. And enjoy your interview. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is special guest Deuce Windham of the Athletic NOLA. He's here to give us some insight on the Bears' upcoming opponent, the New Orleans Saints. Deuce, man, thanks again for joining us. Ah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I've actually been looking forward to this matchup, one of those I've circled before the season. Uh, so interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, this will be a big one for both teams. Uh, I mean, the Saints are kind of rolling right now, one of the top teams in the NFC. For the Bears, it's been our offense. It's just been a big struggle. We've, the defense, we know what it is, but we're coming off a big loss against the uh, Raiders in London, a loss mm-hmm. that shouldn't have happened at all. But 
Here we are. Uh, yeah, let's get right into it. So, you know, Sunday, Drew Brees probably won't play. It'll be Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he's been the quarterback since week two. And, you know, when kind of Brees went down, I think the general thought was, all right, maybe the Saints are going to take a little bit of a step back, might lose a couple games. But, man, ever since Bridgewater's got in, it's it's just the Saints really haven't missed much of a beat. And, you know, they lost to the Rams. But other than that, they've rallied off four straight. What has Teddy done so well or maybe hasn't done so well, but has still been able to keep the Saints afloat? Well, I think it's a, it's a combination of several things. Teddy, now that he's actually got a game plan designed for him, is taking advantage of some of the situations that are presented. There, there's still some that he's growing. It's it's interesting going from you know a 40 year old Hall of Fame quarterback that you've been studying for so long to switching to a 26 year old who hasn't played in a couple of years and is trying to find his legs underneath him again. I guess. But he's consistently improved each game in some way or another, so that's good to see. But I think the biggest aspect, and because New Orleans is such a small market, most people around the nation don't give him a lot of attention, so they don't put a lot of the effort like you would in, say, a New England or something. But the Saints' defense has been incredible. I mean, just about any statistical category you can pull, their top ten in other ways are even better. And that's really been the catalyst for a lot of the wins. I'm not saying that Teddy hasn't done a good job, but the only way that you can lose a Hall of Fame quarterback and continue to win and be one of the best teams in your conference is by having total team play. And that's been the key is you still got the stars and Thomas and Camaro who are having good seasons, but it's just been the defense and the special teams that have particularly come out and, and really shown. So I'm kind of curious to get your perspective here because obviously we know Mark Ingram went to, uh, went to the Ravens and, and Alvin Kamara really hasn't been overly healthy the last few games. So how has the overall running game been affected? And then kind of a bigger picture, obviously with Bridgewater being the quarterback over the last few games, how different has the Saints offense been uh, compared to what it was last year under Drew Brees? Well, well, on the running game first, I think it's a mix in terms of a little bit less efficient you could tell they're missing Ingram in some ways, but a lot of that has been Murray growing and getting, I guess, more in tune with how the offense works. So this past game against Jacksonville, it's one of the first times we started to see them actually have design plays for them, design swing passes for Murray, uh, running some flood concepts, clearing out one side of the field to get him open, and really just starting to use him more as a weapon instead of just as a you know big bowling ball at 230 pounds. His running is getting a little bit better. I think a lot of it is just fit, getting used to the team that you're on, things like that. But there's definitely a miss of Ingram, but you still see Kamara and him consistently performing well. I think one thing as well is because we're in the beginning of the season, the Saints have played a lot of good defenses. I mean, Dallas is a tremendous defense. Seattle's a good defense. The Rams, even though they've got their offensive problems, defense is pretty good. I think the thing that gets lost for a lot of people is the context of some of the games the Saints are winning. You know, they're not necessarily trying to air it out anymore. And one of the things that's changed compared to last year is because you're using Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback instead of Breeze is, you know, last year the Saints ran four verticals, probably better than any team, not just in the NFL last year, but any team I can recall in recent memory. And that's a, a big read for, you know, fulfilled concept when they, they've kind of taken their deep shops and, change to say a Yankee concept, which is just a combination of a post and a deep end underneath it. So much simpler read for Teddy to process or taste on the process instead of doing as much of the crazy outlandish push the field type stuff you should see from Drew Brees. And even with those adjustments though, they've still managed to have good success, move down the field and score. 
And you mentioned some of those defenses the Saints have gone up against, you know, the Rams, the Seahawks, Dallas, um, Jacksonville, not really that bad. But this week they're going to be on the road. They're going to be in Chicago. You know, a franchise is notorious for their defense. Bears did lose Akeem Hicks to IR this mm-hmm. week. Uh, still a pretty damn good unit, though. What, In your eyes, what do you think the Saints will do, the game plan to attack the Bears defense, and what do you think they should do? Well, the Bears defense is, is difficult because, and I talked about this when we played the Cowboys, that there are only a handful of teams in the league that their front seven can really go sideline to sideline with New Orleans as well as defend some of the deeper concepts. And Dallas is one of those teams, and Chicago is another one. I think losing Hicks for y'all is a really big potential blow, even though I still think there's a lot of talent along that defensive side. I mean, you can't really see. We got Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack. There's a lot of good players over there. Ha ha. I think he's having a good season. But in general, though, the one weakness the Saints have shown offensively has been interior O line play with like Andres Pete, who has games where he's just great and then just mental lapse games where it just all falls apart so i think having a hicks there who can slide inside out wherever you want to line him up he can be a three he could be a five anywhere along the line he becomes a dangerous threat losing that gives the saints a little bit more of a feeling of security if you will but in terms of attacking, it's going to be difficult. You know, Kamara's dealing with an ankle injury that he's recovering from, and then he injured his knee here against Jacksonville, so he did not practice today. You know, we'll see how the practice report looks come Thursday, Friday. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play right now, but we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see how that ends up developing. With the, When it comes to taking on Chicago, uh, you really just kind of have to rely on your big guys like Jared Cook and Michael Thomas is simply out physical a lot of players and get some of the tough openings. And I think that you'll see how they played Chicago. I'm sorry, how they played Dallas was pretty similar. I mean, understanding that they're not going to be as many deep shots available and having to play a grinded out game, went a lot of stuff up front and in the offensive and defensive lines. And that's kind of how the Saints are going to play this. I mean, it's not a game that I expect to go, you know, 30 points on either way. That does make a lot of sense. That's kind of the feeling I think both Zach and I have, too. I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game than maybe most people are expecting. I kind of want to flip it over to the defense side of the ball here. Uh, one of the things that's really stood out to me watching the Saints this year is how improved, especially over the last two weeks, the Saints defense has been. So uh, just from just an overall perspective, uh, where are you at with this the Saints defense, and where do you think that they have strengths against the Bears' offense? Well, I think when it comes to the Bears offense, and this is not just me trying to knock the Bears at all, but I think even Bears fans and analysts will say that the offense has a lot of inconsistencies. And it's uh, Mitch has always been an interesting study for me, depending on how he, if he even plays. I think with him practicing yesterday, I would expect him to play this upcoming uh, week. But Mitch is so curious because there'll be plays I'll watch, entire games I'll watch. It's like the first three quarters. He's just <laughs> AWOL, man. It's just... He's making the most egregious mistakes, but then when a pressure situation comes, he just clicks his button and he becomes Tom Brady, Drew Brees in the fourth quarter. It's amazing. The the fact that he can lead game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks, I really like how he operates under pressure. And When it comes to the Saints' defense, one thing they've done really well is stifling teams – and forcing quarterbacks to make bad decisions. And and that's how they've gotten a lot of their wins. And you you get a lot of teams like the Bears who really – excel at pure pass rush like guys like Khalil Mack just just coming in and dominating uh, you know uh Danny Trevathan I think he's had a pretty good season so far as a pass rusher and some limited reps but in general though you're seeing those guys more designed to get to the quarterback immediately whereas the Saints defense in about three of their six games have played more of what they call a crush rush which is 
they're going to drive towards the quarterback, but their goal is to not shed the tackles and just get there. Their goal is to maintain gap integrity. And even if that means the quarterback has four seconds in the pocket, they're fine with that because they want the quarterback to trust or process through reads and make a play. And if they can't, then the sack's going to come. So they're relying a lot on their defensive backfield to protect the routes, protect their zones, and then preventing the quarterback from making a play with their feet. And they've been very, very good at that. And I think that Trubisky is a guy that can make plays with his feet. And I think that you could see the Saints do a similar tactic. And if you want some games to how they've done that, uh, see how they did with uh, the Seattle Seahawks, see how they did this past week with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Not necessarily trying to get the immediate pressure, but trying to force bad mistakes by a quarterback and relying on your secondary. And the secondary has really played well. And if you look at the stats, it can be kind of misleading. I mean, you, you see that Russell Wilson had over 400 yards passing, but over half of that came in the fourth quarter. You see games like Tampa were a similar thing where all most of the points and everything are coming in garbage situations. But if you look at just where they line up in the field, for example, between the 40s, which is a very important part for most offenses because – how you perform between the 40s is determines whether you score or not a lot of times. They're the number four team in the NFL right now in successful plays allowed. They shut down as soon as you start crossing that 50, and they don't allow a lot of progress, and they get really clamped down. And that's just a testament to how they play, and they've done this in a variety of ways. One of the best comparisons I've really found this season is because this unit has basically all the starters have been together for three years now. They've really started to build on each other. So look at how the Baltimore Ravens were just so successful for so many years because that group was together, and they would rotate coverages. They provide really confusing pre-snap reads, and they go to something completely different. That's exactly what the Saints are doing now. The Saints will show you a, a two-high look, looks like it's a general cover two or Tampa two shell, and then turns into cover three match and it happens as soon as the snap happens and that means a quarterback has got to read that change and make a decision in under two seconds that can be very difficult and it takes a lot of communication and a very good defense to pull that off and that's just simply where they're getting here in that third year together under Dennis Allen and you look at that Saints secondary they'll be missing PJ Williams but they have a star in Marshawn Lattimore uh, top tier defensive back on that defense and you kind of look at his games he's gone up against Amari Cooper uh, held Mike Evans to no catches um, even shut down DJ Chark um, in week six so this week he's going up against Allen Robinson I think that's going to be an interesting matchup because you know I assume he'll be shadowing Robinson most of the game what does Lattimore do so well does he bait quarterbacks into throws is he is he good at pressing and what challenges might Allen Robinson present uh, Lattimore on Sunday well, the key with Lattimore has been the past couple seasons is where he's at mentally. You know, uh, I like Allen's size. You know, that six-three frame I think is really nice, and you know, can provide some problems at time for Lattimore or really any corner. I mean, just anytime you get that type of length, it, it could be really beneficial to your offense. But with Lattimore, it's always been he steps up to talent, and then sometimes he'll step down to talent. So it's. And he hasn't had that problem for about four weeks. But, you know, there's this collective thought that's even been whispered at times in the facility where if he doesn't view a opponent as like an elite player, he takes a step down. He comes in and shuts down Amari Cooper. He comes in and shuts down Mike Evans. He And then last week, DJ, you know, viewing them as elite guys and just his press is great. When he's in it, his zone is great. He does great complete field reading so he's not a corner that's limited to one side he can actually read what's happening on the other side and go help make a play in that if his zone is vacated say in cover three but he's got to be playing at that level mentally other games it's not there all the time so it's really going to be how he views and the team views 
Robinson because I don't think that the speed is going to be a problem. I think Lattimore's definitely got to beat from the athletic standpoint. I think that they're both you know good players in terms of physical ability. I think Allen it does a really good job of making some fantastic catches and some fantastic plays. But it's going to come down to which mark Sean Lattimore you're getting. If Lattimore is staying on top of his game and he's playing like he has the past month, I don't really think Allen Robinson provides that much of a challenge. If Lattimore is not playing at that level and if he's second-guessing you know, the talent across from him or you know, he thinks he's fine and he doesn't prepare completely, then Robinson could have a big game. And yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, you, you kind of pointed out in the beginning when we're previewing the Saints defense versus the Bears offense. I mean, their the passing game has just not been there. I mean, their offense as a whole hasn't been there. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'm more interested to see if the Bears are going to be able to get some sort of running game going now. Kyle Long's on IR. Uh, Rashad Coward's going to step in. I think he's a little bit better of a fit for what they're trying to do. But I guess we'll kind of kind of move on to the, the latter part here. And I, I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts on uh, what do you think is going to be the main um, matchup, I guess you could say, either offensive or defensive uh, for the for the Saints going against the Bears? Well, I think for the Saints defense and the Bears offense, uh, you know, one thing that the Saints defense has done well for multiple years now is defending the run. Uh, they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 32 games now, which is the longest streak in the NFL. They're very stout in their front seven, and and it's surprising because a lot of people don't put, you know, a Cameron Jordan in the same conversation as a Khalil Mack, or they don't put a Demario Davis in the same conversation as a Roquan Smith. But in terms of performance and what they've been doing, they're they're right up there in that same upper echelon. You know, Khalil Mack being a better speed rusher, but if you look at statistically what Cameron Jordan's done for the past five years, it's hard to say anybody's been better than him on that side of the football. Both premier talents, both amazing players. But I think with the Saints defense, it's going to be that slot position. I'm not necessarily worried about Robinson, but guys like Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel, you know, people who can move a little bit, try to pick on what probably is going to be Patrick Robinson, maybe even Eli Apple, who's had a surprisingly good season compared to last year. Seeing if you can manipulate the slot, that short area of the field, especially the short zones the Saints like to drop into with their linebackers. One thing that we saw Seattle do was they created one-on-one matchups against A.J. Klein. And then we've also seen teams do one-on-one matchups in the slot to find some success to get away from guys like Lattimore, Marcus Williams, and Von Bell. And if Chicago is going to have success, that's kind of what they have to do. They have to find ways to split that, whether it's with, you know, sale concepts, flooding a field. That way you make sure you get a one-on-one matchup in either a zone or man, or, or even trying to run stretch plays, which forces guys like Marcus Williams and Lattimore to go downfield. And that leaves some of the underbelly of the defense a little bit softer. It's just can Mr. Bisky and that offense do that successfully and do it enough to where the Saints have to change the style of defense that they've been playing. Nobody's really been able to make them do that yet. And the Bears have a tough, you know, <laughs> tough job. But I think this being in Soldier Field is a big advantage to you guys. And I think that's something that's going to play a role. And on the flip side of that, I think that the Saints offense is built to beat a lot of teams. It's not necessarily built to take on a Chicago style defense especially with how the front seven is built. And that's not a disrespect, by the way, to the secondary with guys like Kyle Fuller and Prince of Makamara and everything and HaHa, which I think are all having some good seasons, you know, Eddie Jackson. But I don't think that that's necessarily the strength that 
is advantageous against New Orleans. The Saints have shown that even if you've got a great corner, they can dissect you. What they don't always have the ability to do is to dissect a great front seven because they've only got five blockers and they don't want to leave their best one of their best playmakers in the backfield blocking in Alvin Kamara. So they always try to put him out in the slot, slide him out wide. They don't want to just use him as a chip guy, you know. So they don't like to run a bunch of seven protects. They like to get everybody out there. So a very talented front seven with a pass rush can really take away a lot of their plans. And especially with a, a team in that front seven that can move sideline to sideline and not get easily fooled. You know, Kamara running swing passes beats a lot of linebackers. It doesn't beat Trevathan and Roquan Smith, I don't think, especially with him being potentially banged up. So what the Saints have to do is come out and stretch the field and target the secondary. And that might sound dangerous to a lot of Chicago fans. You might be looking forward to hearing that because of how good you you know believe your secondary is. But for the Saints, they kind of have to get past that front seven if they're going to score and win. Yeah, and last week, well, two weeks ago, the Raiders did a pretty good job of limiting the Bears' pressure. Um, I don't even mm-hmm. think the Bears got a sack on Derek Carr, and he was slinging the football out of there pretty quick. So before yeah. we let you go here, though, um, I'd like to get your prediction for the game and, and maybe some reasons why you think that team will win. Well, if this was in New Orleans, I think New Orleans wins. With it being in Chicago, how both teams are right now, I give a slight nod to Chicago, and I'm talking about a close three-point type game. And I think it could swing out of the way. You know, right now, how the Saints sit. I think the fact that this team is 5-1 under Teddy Bridgewater should speak volumes to any doubters in the NFL that this team, talent for talent, position by position, is probably the most talented in the NFL, right up there with the Patriots and things like that. And the key, though, is the the crowd noise in the front seven for Chicago. And I think that that defense has the – respect it deserves and i think the saints are going to respect that but this is a game that i can see being a 16 to 13 type slugfest defensively because they both have very good defenses as both you know are going to be out in the weather of, of soldier field we've seen that simple things like barometric pressure can change how you throw a football and with teddy wearing those two gloves some days it's perfectly accurate some days it's not you know we missed some open throws in jacksonville not saying that was due to necessarily the gloves or the weather but that's just him being a young quarterback not familiar with what he's doing in terms of the saints offense i think he's being a close defensive game i think chicago has the slight advantage but i, I also wouldn't be too confident in that either i think this can go either way Totally forgot Teddy wears the two gloves. Uh, he does, Teddy two gloves. Yeah, Teddy two gloves. I totally forgot about that because we, we've seen him a couple times when he was back with Minnesota. Um, yeah, he had the gloves on. But that was in the Dome. Well, no, he plays in the Dome in New Orleans too. He does, so. yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, man, for uh, hopping on. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Hey, you can follow me at, at Rev Deuce Windham. That's R E V D E U C E W I N D H A M. And if you you know want to know more about the Saints, how they operate, I do put out some film stuff on Twitter. And of course, you can check out theathletic.com. We've got a full slate of stuff, not just for New Orleans, but Chicago as well. And uh, we got you covered. Yeah, you do a great job with your film work, man. That is awesome stuff. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll have to hopefully have you on. Maybe a uh, playoff preview. Yeah, I, look, if both these teams don't make the playoffs, I'll be very surprised. I mean, I know that Chicago's offense has had some ups and downs, but you know, with that division, I think that you know Chicago to me is still the favorite to win it, and I'd be very surprised if they're not in the playoffs. And I would be shocked if the Saints don't win their division. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. We still got half a season to go. Yes, you're a little more optimistic than a lot of Bears fans. We're kind of. I am still a, I'm still a firm believer that defense, especially as we get into the second half of the season, is what wins out. And you saw this last year, not just with New Orleans, but you look across the league. Strong defenses started providing wins for teams everywhere. It, having a good defense, as long as Chicago can stay healthy over there, I think that's going to matter. I think that's going to push them into the playoffs. But I could be wrong.
That's very true. I, I, I hope you're right. I, I really hope you're right. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Deuce. Uh, we'll have to have you on again. Yeah, thanks. We'll do. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. That was our interview with Deuce Windham of the Athletic NOLA. Great interview there. Some really good insight on the Saints. Check out his work. He does some excellent film review. Uh, one of my favorite files on Twitter now. Uh, Aaron, last time the Bears and uh, Saints played was Mitchell Trubisky's rookie year a couple years back. Do you want to guess who his uh, starting wide receivers were for that game in New Orleans? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say Kendall Wright, Trey McBride, and I want to say, uh, man, that Dontrell Inman was also – that was I think that was the first game that he actually played in, if I remember right. That was coming – or maybe the second game. Either way, I, I think those are the three guys because I remember Trey McBride had like one or two big catches, and I think he got cut the next week. Yeah, he so he had the uh, long catch in the first quarter when the Bears were down seven nothing. Uh, I believe he did. Yeah, I think he did get cut shortly after. Um, yeah, I mean you kind of you kind of hit on the head right there. Um, you know, Mitchell Trubisky was throwing a Tanner Gentry, Daniel Brown, Deion Sims, Kendall Wright, Trey McBride. Um, Let's see. Well, Zach Miller, that was obviously the Zach Miller entry game, which is touchdown. Uh, There's a couple of current Bears, one current Bear on the roster, um, Tariq Cohen, who caught a pass. Jordan Howard rushed for over 102 yards. Man, you look at that stable wide receivers. Trey McBride now in the uh, XFL. Tanner Gentry also in the XFL. Daniel Brown, I think, is still on the Jets. Um, Other than that, man. Brutal. Just brutal. And I know the Bears wide receivers have not been good outside of Allen Robinson this season. Man, talk about an upgrade, even with their struggles this year. Yeah, but you know what's funny, though, is, again, though, it kind of goes back to our conversation we just had right before this interview, where, yeah, they, they're vastly improved at every single freaking position, yet they're still putting up right around the same offensive production that they were in the last year of John Fox with a rookie quarterback, with that crap hole of a receiver group that they had that, you know, obviously as soon as Zach Miller went down at tight end, they had nothing at tight end Their offensive line wasn't as good, at least on paper. I mean, they just think about that. I mean, there's no reason that the bears the offense should be struggling like this. And I think that this is one of those games. I mean, and, and, and Deuce kind of broke it down a little bit, but I mean, this is kind of one of those games where I don't know, even with Trubisky likely to come back, I don't know if this is one of those games where they're going to be able to break out because you look at the numbers, the Saints defensive numbers, and they're not as impressive as the way that they've been playing over the last few weeks. I mean, it's really as simple as that. This is another good defense that the Bears are going to be facing and a somewhat aggressive uh, defense as well. Yeah, and you're kind of spot on there. Uh, Outside of the running game, because Jordan Howard did have over 100 yards, which was a big bright spot in that game. The Bears did – okay, here's Mitchell Trubisky's line. 14 of 32, 164 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, net passing yards of 150. Um, they had a total of 307 yards. So, yeah, very pedestrian. Same thing we've seen this season outside of the Redskins game. Just not good. And let's hope the trend changes this Sunday. Let's just hope for a big game. Let's see if the Bears can get 100 yards on the ground. Uh, only done it one time so far this season um, rushing. So, yeah, we'll see. I'll, you want me to go with my prediction and my X factor, or you want to? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I'm going to say for the first time this year, I'm going to pick the Bears to actually lose the game. Uh, I'm going to go 17-16 New Orleans. I think it's going to be hard-fought defensive battle. 
I just think in the end, the Saints are probably going to pull it off. I think they got, they're rolling right now. They're a little more talent on the offensive side. I don't know who's going to cover Michael Thomas. I think Fuller will get that assignment, but the guy's just a beast. Um, now, if Elvin Kamara does not play, I might change my prediction, but I'll say that he's playing right now. I'll stick with this prediction. I think the X factor is going to be um, the Saints offense kind of taking advantage up front of, on the Bears. The Saints have a great offensive line. Two tackles on the outside, some good interior offensive linemen. Without Akeem Hicks, um, I just I, I don't see the Bears winning the battle up front. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with the Saints winning this one. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Saints winning this one. Uh, for as big of a game as I think this is for the Bears, and as much as I hope they win the game, um, I think the Saints are just clearly a better team. They're five and one. I mean, they they're five and one with a backup quarterback. Granted, that quarterback's Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, obviously, this game could be much tougher because Alvin Kamara, even if he does play, is not going to be 100% healthy, and they have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback over Drew Brees, and that's not a slam on Bridgewater. I mean, that's just the reality. Um, so yeah, I, again, as much as I want the Bears to win this game, and maybe they'll come out and, and, and surprise us all in terms of you know playing at Soldier Field and all that, but I just don't have a very good feeling. And plus, they have not been good coming out of the bye. I think a lot of people forget that. Um, as far as my X factor goes, um, I think in order for the Bears to win the game, that's kind of the route I'm going to take here. In order for Bears to win the game. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be on the offensive line. I mean, we just got to talk about Kyle Long with the IR. Uh, pretty good chance for Sean Coward's probably going to be the one starting at right guard on Sunday. Um, they got to be able to not only protect Mitchell Trubisky, um, and, you know, they, they they got a pretty good pass rush. The Saints, I mean, the Saints have got a pretty good pass rush. Uh, Cam Jordan is, is damn good. Uh, I mean, they have Marcus Davenport. I mean, they have multiple guys that can get to the quarterback and, and Deuce is going to, you know, Deuce obviously broke that down a lot better than either one of us could because he covers the team. Um, but also in the run game, too. I mean, the, the Saints are about average, at least statistically, against the run. They're giving up a little over 100 yards a game. Um, you know, the, this this is the kind of game where the Bears, I think, need to establish a running game and somewhat control the ball offensively in, in terms of time and possession. Um, but, it's, man, it's just, it's just one of those games. Again, I just... I don't like the matchup for the Bears. Uh, I don't like it on the offensive side of the ball. I don't particularly care for it on the defense side of the ball either. Uh, just because of the Saints offensive line, I think we could see a similar attack um, to what the Raiders did against them. Quick strike, uh, you know, the offensive line, especially their tackles are very good, as Deuce pointed out. I just, I don't know. I don't like the matchup. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, uh, 20, 2016 Saints is what I'm going with. This just has that feeling of, it's either going to be a game that's going to kind of get the Bears going on a win streak and and uh, maybe turn their season around, or it's going to be a game where maybe it starts the downfall. Maybe this is a game where they lose close and it just kind of has a ripple effect, and they just start losing more games, and, and that'd be obviously very disappointing. Or it could go the other way. This could motivate them. They could come out, and maybe this is the start of them showing and proving that they do belong. They are a better team and that they're in the NFC playoff hunt. So we'll see. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can read my work uh, at thebearreport.com. And uh, you can follow me at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson on Twitter. Read my work at the Bear Report. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, hopefully recapping a Bears win and previewing the Los, almost at San Diego, Los Angeles uh, Chargers. Until next week, we'll talk to you guys later.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.